Hello everybody and welcome to Roleplay Chat. I'm Matt and I'm a game master who cannot stop talking about role-playing games. Today's episode, we talk about inspiration. We talk about how to find inspiration for your games, we talk about incorporating inspiration into your games, and we talk about the incredibly inspirational D&D and tabletop RPG community and everybody in it including the two guests that I had the chance to talk to in today's conversation. So without further ado, let's get right into the chat. I hope you all enjoy it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Roleplay Chat. I am pleased to announce our two wonderful guests today. The first is an author, a playwright, with published essays, short stories for Scary Mommy, The Seattle Times, Blunt Moms, and joining her is another author, screenwriter and journalist. You might know the two of them for their thoughtful and inspiring conversations throughout the tabletop RPG community. You likely don't need much of an introduction for Shelly and Greg, the Dragon Talk co-hosts. Oh. Hello, Shelly. Hello, Craig. Hey. Welcome. Hi. How's it going? That was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Yeah. Thank you for being here. I'm I'm jazzed to talk to the two of you. Uh, why don't you say hello to the listeners and let them know a little bit about yourselves and uh, a little bit about your play styles as game masters and players. What kind of uh, what kind of gamer? you consider yourself to be. Interesting. Okay. Well, I'm Shelly Mazzanoble, and like you so beautifully said, I co-host Dragon Talk with Greg Tito. Um, my day job, however, is senior brand manager for Dungeons & Dragons. Yay! Best job ever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and uh, what what was your question? The play style? And yeah, tell us a little yeah. bit about you as a player and game master. How do you... How do you consider yourself? Like, what are you, what's your style like? Okay. Well, I'll, my dungeon masters might disagree, but I try to be, I am always very grateful to have a dungeon master. So I try to let that show. I know how much work they do to put on these games for us players. So I do actually try to pay attention and not just wait <laughs> for my turn to say, oh, okay, what's happening now? And how I do try to pay attention. Um, but I also like to be a little bit chaotic. Um, and just like I like to do things maybe a, a bit impetuously because it feels really good to do that because I don't do that in my real life. Mm -hmm. I am very much a rules person and I'm very much like a, uh, probably a bit of a control freak. So it feels really good to just let loose in D&D &D. Um, as a as a so are you like master, setting things on fire and stuff. Is that? Yeah. Like I, yeah, okay. <laughs> I am totally fine. Like if I roll a one, I am like, yes, let's see what happens here. I love and, it. I love it. Yeah. I can't, I don't really know if I have a DM style though, because I'm still very new to it, but I am trying to be more relaxed, go with the flow, right. rule of cool kind of thing. I learned a lot actually from Greg who has a wonderful DM style that I try, I want one day very much to emulate. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, lift you up, 
<laughs> uh, well, right. I'm I'm Greg Tito. I am uh, excited to talk about my playstyle, which I don't even know what it is. It might be actually a little bit similar to yours, Shelley, where I am usually the instigator in the party. Like I want to keep the story moving, and so if we get bogged down in in uh, anything, whether it's planning the heist or you know figuring out what we're gonna do, I'm always like, I'm gonna just tip over the barrel and make things happen so that we can get to the fun part of the game. Um, so that is a little bit. As also, I like to be like kind of comic relief, in character or out of character as much as possible during the session because it makes it fun for everybody um and as far as a game master style i like to set the stage as much as possible and allow really descriptive words and phrases and try to get people to feel what they are experiencing in the game with their senses um i don't always succeed at that but that's usually one of my goals is to try to make sure that it feels visceral uh, combat isn't just about like, oh, I hit it with my axe and mm-hmm. uh, do 10 damage. I like to describe what you know, or, or give the power to the player to have them describe what actually occurs when they when they uh, vanquish a monster or, or do something like that. So I like to try to keep it as as immersive uh, as possible. And I, that's why I like to use miniatures as much as I can, because that can, you know, kind of make or break it for some people and allow that idea. Um, I certainly do theater of the mind style whenever we're doing um anything over zoom or, or or video conferencing but yeah i think that's what my my styles are awesome yeah you know i i have to agree with you there's nothing quite like having a table of minis and painted terrain like people can come at me on twitter if they want to but <laughs> theater, theater of the mind just doesn't cut it for me i'm a very visual person as well i need to i need to see it i need to to use that as the springboard for my imagination it's never going to be perfect and like we, you know, most of the time we have like crazy bones and little, like, they're basically like little plastic figurines that don't look like anything. They're like amorphous blobs, but yeah. it helps to like, like, you know, can I reach that person? How far do I have to move to get my magic missile to hit them? Stuff like that. So. 100%. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, and also it comes from the idea of like, I just like tiny things. I like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, looking at uh well-crafted scenery like that i don't even really have the time to do that stuff but i just love i mean independent of playing the game i would love just seeing people set up and being like oh look at this oh my god this is a it's a little yeah. sword oh my god that's so cool <laughs> 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 yeah no i i hear you i hear you and so shelly you're saying you just begun your game master journey is that am i interpreting that correctly Sort of. I had a false start early on. It was so bad. Uh, actually, I always forget about, I always talk about the really bad experience, but I actually, way back, I had a not terrible experience that I never, that I just kind of like buried in my head. But Oh, wow. Um, hmm. Did you I, have like that, hip, hip, hypnotherapy recently where you, you drugged it up or it's something? Just <laughs> eternal, su- eternal sunshine of my spotless <laughs> mind. It's like you shall not remember any DMing experiences because that one was so bad. So traumatic. But there, like, the good one was a bunch of, of women in the office wanted to learn how to play D&D. And like they were all sort of similar to my background where they didn't consider themselves to be like typical fantasy lovers. But... They were like, yeah, we work here. We should learn how to play this game. Mm-hmm. They they were very into like pop culture and um, reality TV, that kind of thing. Like that was Got totally my jam. Yeah. So I 
set them up. I just took like a published adventure, but I changed all of the villains to Kardashians. Oh my and, gosh, that's amazing. And I was like, now you're fighting the curtain. They were like, yes, like we can get behind this. We want to fight them. And it was like, and there's so many of them that it was great. I just kept bringing them out of the wings. I'm like, no, just when you think you have felled Chloe, like six more of them have come on. And I remember telling somebody like the D&D team that I had done this. I was really excited. And, and I had the Kardashians as the villains. And he thought that he he was really impressed because he thought I was talking about like someone from Star Trek. What? Who? <laughs> oh, the Kardashians. Yes. He was like, I didn't think that you actually like were like cool like me and you knew Star there Trek. You go. <laughs> Star Trek? What? I, have you never read an Us Weekly? Come on. <laughs> no idea. That's fantastic. <laughs> no idea. But yeah, so that experience actually went well. They they had a good time and I may have taught them enough to understand. The bad experience was that I just like way over prepared and things mm. didn't go as planned immediately because players don't ever do players what are you, gonna be players. Yeah, they're just they're just gonna, gonna do their thing and they didn't go where I wanted them to go, and I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know how to get them back, so I just like basically had a panic attack in the middle oh, no. of this game and oh. sent everybody away. Like, just go. This is terrible. So unfortunate. Never did it again until recently. I'm back, baby, yeah. and I. I actually really. I think I'm gonna enjoy this this role of dungeon master. I'm like getting it, not getting it. Like I get the rules. I get why people love it. Mm -hmm. and I, I especially i really just i think my focus is on new players i don't need any rules lawyers unless i ask for help it's nice to have a comforting it's nice to have someone at your table it's who nice knows to have that i can just be and like, you can is, be like is this what i'm doing keep it zipped until i ask you for until your I ask, yes. <laughs> yeah, totally. but i don't need anybody calling me out and be like that's not how that works i don't want that pressure mm -hmm. new people don't know they're just there for a good time i expect especially like DMing for kids. So I, that really cool. feels like my bread and butter now. Mm. Very cool. Very cool. Well, you know, I really like how you talked about your experience using the Kardashians in your game because little <laughs> do my players know <laughs> that I often use reality TV people as inspiration for my characters as well. Oh, I, I don't talk villains. about this very They're often. The best villains. Yeah, I, I love, uh, right now, I don't know why I never watched it before, but I watched Love is Blind for the first time in the past couple of months. And I've been taking all of those people in the in the show, and I'm like, oh, you're gonna make a great NPC. Let's go! Oh my god, it's really. It's, Wait, yeah. is this season one or season two? I have uh, season, season two. two. I right now oh, I'm god. watching season two, and there's one guy who's like super boisterous. He's got like the big blonde hair, and he's like high energy, but like also gets upset very fast. And I'm making him like hands down. That's gonna be my next big recurring NPC. Everyone's gonna oh. love him. This is amazing. See, Greg, reality yeah. TV can be a source of inspiration. It Note how they're can. all the source for villains. Villains. All the bad people. <laughs> That's the part bad. of it. That's fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, man, but you, awesome. you definitely can find inspiration wherever wherever you look if you're looking for it you know um and and that's kind of why i'm super excited to talk to the two of you about that about inspiration from the community from various sources so i, I guess we'll go right in to the topic of conversation for today which is exactly that uh, being inspired and influenced by the community 
by our tables, by the people that play games with us. You know, there's influences every in every corner of the world, really, of every kind of corner of the media. So I, I'll I'll pitch this out first to you, uh, Greg, and I'll ask you, what's somebody or something recently that's inspired you and has kind of bled into your games and influenced the way you play or the way that you game master? Hmm, that's a really, mm. really good question. Yes. Um, I love the the topic of inspiration because not only is it a, a D&D mechanic, um, but it's also in our uh, <laughs> uh, subtitle for our book uh, that's about the podcast that we do. So it's called Welcome to Dragon Talk, inspiring conversations about Dungeons and Dragons and the people who love to play it. And in it, we just talk about so much about uh, people who, just like you're saying, inspired us. I mean, they inspired us to write essays uh, about these uh, guests and telling their stories for um, a wider audience, as well as infusing so much about our own lives uh, in these essays. And I'm, I think the one that's, it's not super recent, but it is someone that I didn't know much about before uh, we talked to them on the podcast, and that's Rufus Beard. Uh, I knew you No, know, sorry, Rufus Hound. Hound. Rufus Hound. Yes, I, I don't know why I said beer. I think I'm thinking Coach Beard from uh from um oh from Ted Lasso from Ted Lasso. Yeah, because he kind of <laughs> reminded me of him when we were talking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Rufus Hound's uh story was so uh amazing. We we when we did that podcast episode, we just kind of let him tell this story. He's a uh, performer from the UK. Uh, he does you know talk shows and comedian, and he's he's an actor and. He told it just a really, really wonderful story about he'd always wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons and he never found the right group to be able to do it. He kept being very self-deprecating and just saying, was, I couldn't mm -hmm. understand it. He said, I wasn't smart enough to take the books and turn them into uh, a game, even for his, his his children when they got one of the starter sets. And then he finally found it, be able to do it during COVID. And it unlocked so much trauma that he had had uh you know throughout his entire life uh and how he had been basically using uh you know alcohol drinking beer to be able to like compensate for a lot of that and uh, the pain and everything that he had uh was profound and he in this conversation with us he started he's a very charismatic and boisterous person and then he, you know, he started to really open up and like break down and almost, you know, cry m multiple times throughout the telling of this story. And we were just enthralled. Uh, and by the end of it, I think both me and Shelley were just like, "Holy, holy crap!" Like this was yeah. a, a, an amazing whirlwind. And uh, I won't ruin the story. I think you guys should uh, pick up the book so you can read it yourself and/or listen to that podcast episode on Dragon Talk uh, with Rufus Hound. But it is one of those stories that just made this game uh it was, it was basically the hero of that story of mm -hmm. like how I I interacting with uh this this basically extended play pretend that we do when we play dungeons and dragons allowed him to find out something about himself that he had suppressed and or not been able to allow himself to kind of really think about it and it unlocked these emotions and then he was able to deal with them and kind of grow and change from them and so not you know it's one of those times we love hearing about people uh, uh playing D and d and and having it change their lives but this was one where i was like man it actually you know late in life changed their life it wasn't like it was a formative change of life type of thing with mm -hmm. a lot of the stories that we hear this was someone who was you know uh, well past adulthood and 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 uh learned something new about themselves through going back and, and playing dungeons and dragons that was just really inspiring awesome yeah that sounds I mean, I wouldn't even, what would you say? What, 
what do you how do you react to to that you know i that must have been a, a put you in the hot seat a little bit too. we kind of did right. we were all, like, yeah. we were all a misty-eyed yeah <laughs> Wonderful. Well, that's a fantastic story. And yeah, I, I do encourage everybody listening to today's episode to go check out Dragon Talk and go check out the book. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about your book maybe uh, later in, in our conversation, but uh, definitely, definitely worth checking out. And that's kind of part of the reason why I wanted to talk to you guys about inspiration, because the the, the folks that you've talked to, the the conversations you facilitated are, are inspirational ones. So yeah, yeah. Um, Shelly, how about yourself? What uh, same kind of question to you? What's somebody or something that's inspired you recently, and how has it kind of influenced your your playing, your game mastering, and 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 all of that? Don't My, say reality TV. The real, the whole cast of the Real Housewives. No, no. <laughs> I have my answer is also somebody that Greg wrote about in the book, and his name is Cade Wells. He is an educator. He uh, has been using D&D in his classrooms for over a decade. I always refer to him as like the pioneer of this whole D&D and education mm -hmm. space. Cade is maybe the most passionate speaker when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons and teaching kids how to play. He himself learned how to play as a child. And this is, I'm quoting him here. I'm not, not this isn't hyperbole. I'm not inferring anything from his words, but he has said, Dungeons and Dragons has saved my life. Hmm. He wouldn't be here today if he didn't have this game. And he is so passionate about bringing Dungeons and Dragons to kids and teaching them how to play and then teaching teachers how to use D&D &D in their classrooms just because we he knows what a great learning tool this is. And just it's such an innovative way to teach because it's fun, right? It's a mm -hmm, game, mm -hmm. but it's like, there's so much reading involved in it. And the kids are like kids who don't like to read or picking up the player's handbook and reading the player's handbook. Cause in their mind, it's like, well, it wasn't assigned and it's not like, you know, a, a textbook. So yeah, it's a fun book. I want to read it. Um, kids who weren't great at writing, they uh, were writing pages and pages and pages and pages of backstories. He used to teach in, in Houston, a Title I school. I mean, he's got stories for days about how D&D &D has changed these kids' lives um, in, in like, tremendous ways. And he's been making, mm -hmm. making headway and trying to, to spread the word and, and helping other educators realize what a great learning tool this is. And I've really worked closely with him this year because we've done we've launched an education program as well we have D, &D curriculum that's just just rolled out last month we have the after school D, &D club kits that organizers librarians teachers and richmond you know anyone can order these kits and then start a D, &D club he's helped with a lot of that we've done we have a partnership with the international literacy association and we've done webinars and kate has sat on all of the webinars along with other really passionate wonderful researchers and librarians and and other teachers and it's like the best times of my life is just sitting there quietly with my camera off just <laughs> like getting all like emotional about listening to these people just speak so passionately about this game and like it's that's just the stuff that makes me excited to come to work every day and listen like this whole year of building up this education program and working on plans for how we can expand it into next year has just got me so excited about 
the next generation and teaching these kids that like I'm actually starting a D&D club at my son's school and awesome. a year like a year ago never like that wouldn't have crossed my mind I'd be like oh, I'll let somebody else start that club but no because it's like I it's my civic duty I have to teach kids <laughs> how to play Dungeons and Dragons I just know it'll be hard it'll it'll I'll be so nervous and oh, I'm already like paranoid about what it's gonna oh, go they're gonna be. have a blast i don't i yeah. don't think you have to worry about them rules lawyering you or anything they like won't that like no they're... but it's like oh are they gonna have fun or are they gonna think like oh it's like some nerdy kid's mom teaching us how to play but i don't know <laughs> here's the, the thing like it's yes it is <laughs> and also it's gonna be the best thing for these kids there's like 10 very lucky children because like we can only have 10 in the club we only have two dungeon masters yeah um but yeah he's so <laughs> cade cade and the rest of of these wonderful educators have really inspired me and have just got me on this crusade to just bring D, &D to the masses awesome. can't stop won't stop mm -mm. <laughs> that sounds fantastic and and you're right there's so much that this game has to offer even if you don't look at the like academic pieces of it just like the social oh, socialization yes. and and all of that like that's it's it teaches them so much about working together and yeah. collaborating and yes. letting other people get empathy. the spotlight and empathy yeah yes it's, skills that are uh, really hard to teach they just yeah. are inherent part of the game. And I love that you, you called out taking turns and letting other people get the spotlight because that's really hard to do when you're you know 10 years old, 12 years old. But it's real easy to do in D&D &D when you're all working for that common goal. And you're, mm -hmm. it's really great to be able to assist the fighter in something and let them you know get that final blow. But it's like, hey, I was there too. They couldn't have done it that way if it weren't for me and the whatever I probably lit on fire by accident. Yeah, absolutely. Shelly, you also talked about a little earlier in our conversation about how you're you're kind of on this mission to getting more new players to join yes. and play. I mean, obviously the school club is going to be a great way to do that. Are there other things or other strategies that you've employed? And I guess this question goes out to the two of you. Like, How have you inspired other people to play D&D &D at a table? Like, How have you obviously the, the podcast and the book is a fantastic way to get that inspiration out. Um, so you feel free to talk about that too, but how have you also gotten new players to play at a table with you? Well, what kind of, how have you convinced people to sit down and roll dice and, and do that kind of thing? That's a really good question. I hope I do inspire people and they're not just humoring me, but I, you know, honestly, a lot of it is just talking about it. Um, mm -hmm. They know what I do for a living. They know how excited I am about, like I'll share stories about, um, you know, something that we talked about on Dragon Talk. And like, oh, like the other day we were talking to Johnny Stanton, who, you know, was an NFL player and like one of the most passionate D&D &D players in the world. Did you know that? Did you know that football players also play D&D? &D? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sometimes they'll hear a story on NPR about D&D &D, or they'll watch, you know, an episode of like, uh, look, Stranger Things obviously is mm -hmm. a, a huge gateway one. for people or like, is that really what D&D &D is like? Always like, well, what part? <laughs> like the actual like <laughs> summoning of, of monsters from a different dimension? Not quite. But if only. Yeah. If only. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe. I guess that's possible. 
Um, I'm not powerful enough as a wizard, but really just in, you know, inviting people. I just invited the neighbors to come. They've ex the half of them have expressed interest in learning how to play. And the nice. other half I can tell are like, mm, I don't know, <laughs> but I, you know, just position it like you guys, it's like board game night. Like that's all you're going to do. You're just coming over. We're going to have drinks. We're going to have snacks and we're, we're going to just sit around and, and tell a story. And that is all Dungeons and Dragons is, is really just demystifying it, telling people they need to prepare nothing. They don't need to know any, any rule and they're just going to have a really good time and big deal. If you didn't have fun, then no harm done. It was just whatever. I'll go uh, cry a little after they leave, but <laughs> I won't do it in their face. But really, I think just, you know, getting them to come to the table and just make it as si simple as possible. It's just game night, you guys. Like, yeah. Who wouldn't come over for, for a board game night? Totally. So what's the difference? And so yeah, it's better than board game night because it, like with board game night, sometimes it's like, oh, how do we play this? What, how do we go through these rules to be able to understand how these yep, pieces yep. work? If you have uh, one player uh, uh, who knows how to play, it's so much easier. And that's generally by default, the person who's organizing the, the game, <laughs> yep. game. And then you're like, oh, yeah, you don't need to bring anything else uh, in order to uh, figure out how to have a good time because there is obviously there are rules. We make a living of selling the books for the rules. but it is so much just about unlocking your imagination. And that's something that I always think of when I, uh, you know, get asked something like this, like, uh, how do you inspire? And we went to this um, uh, uh, convention in Providence, Rhode Island. It was HasCon. It was uh, our, our parent company, Hasbro, was bringing together all their their brands. Uh, and Dungeons & Dragons uh, was there. We had a table set up. Uh, and we had a more traditional setup that we would normally bring to other gaming conventions. And so it was going to be a knockout for those types of audiences, but we soon realized that we kind of made a little bit of a, uh, a misconception of what the audience was going to be for Hascon, and it was mostly parents of kids younger than five. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they were there for My Little Pony, they were there for Transformers. There were obviously some 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 older kids there. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but. The audience was not primed for gaming. Uh, they were primed for toys and plushies and thing and Nerf and you know things that are a little bit more easy to grok because you're just like, oh, here's the thing. I play with it this way. Um, and so we kind of pivoted a little bit in the middle of the the convention where we were like, let's just set up. This goes to 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 you about talking about how the tactile thing is sometimes the most important way to to draw people in. We just set up all the miniatures and dice that we had mm -hmm. available on this big table. And uh, me and my colleague just stood behind it and engaged with people as they walked by. Because obviously, when you see something that's tiny and cool, especially as a kid, they want to go up and start playing with it. And I was like, yes, play with them. Do all, you know, they are really cool. Check them out. Look at this guy. He's got a, he's got a bow. And, you know, here's a, a you know, a 20-sided die. Go ahead, roll it. Just, yeah, feel it. See how it rolls. And then you're like, oh, look, you got a 20. Look at you. It's amazing. And then if they ask any other questions, because usually then people are like, oh, what, what is this for? And I was like, oh, this is for Dungeons and Dragons here you know it's all the base it's you know all just playing pretend and there's like a little bit of rules behind it so like say this guy is going to attack this guy and i brought out the miniatures and then mm -hmm. we're like well we don't know if it's going to work or not so when that happens we roll a die and then oh you got it and if it was over 10 i just said oh you hit that's great you got him and the arrow ugh, goes right in his belly and ugh. you know and then so there's this visceral kind of way of like oh that's all it is that's all the game is 
and it worked uh we had one seller uh that had uh starter sets actually the original fandelber starter sets uh, i think they brought like an inventory of like 40 of them for the entire week because they were like oh we're going towards you know more of an audience of enfranchised uh, fans uh they didn't like over index on the starter sets but i sold all of those starter sets that weekend i was just like yeah parents that sounds cool <laughs> you want your you want your uh kids playing with each other around a table you know and this was you know, they were also being like, oh, they don't look at screens. That's great. And so <laughs> yeah. This is not screens. It's them pretending and playing with miniatures, you know, engaging with each other. And everybody just went and grabbed up that starter set. And I feel like that that was in like 2018, 2019. And it's just, you know, that type of um, inspiration is what uh, we're all about and, and was kind of the tenet uh, behind Dragon Talk was just making sure like, hey, let's just make this as fun and engaging. You don't have to be you know, Uber into D&D, have D&D be the only thing that you do in your life. You are a well, everybody is well-rounded individuals who have different things, um, you know, uh, and so we just try to portray that. Like, if this is just a pastime that you can do mm-hmm. uh, to get people together, to get your friends together uh, a, a, for any age and exude that into the world as much as possible. And I think more and more people have just started to be like, yeah, no, this is something that's really fun to do. And it's an excuse to get together and you know, have some snacks and drink some wine. Yeah, I love that. I, I, hearing that story about you playing with those kids at that at that convention reminds me of this one time that I accidentally left all of my stuff out. Usually, I clean up at the end of the game. <laughs> I left it all out on the kitchen table, and I have two kids. One, want my daughter, who's the oldest, is almost four years old. And Aww. yeah, one morning she, you know, she wakes up at like six o'clock in the morning. Anyway, <laughs> runs downstairs. And she sees all the terrain and like the dice and the things. And she was just struck by it. And she started playing with everything. That day I brought her to the local game store. We bought a set of like, you know, 20 sided, the, 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 the dice set of all the, the seven different types of dice or what have you. Nice. And she still has that in a little purse in her room. So anyway, hundred oh. percent, you got to make it accessible. It's, um, I think there's this misconception that people that play Dungeons and Dragons are like so into it that they like they live yeah. and breathe and die Dungeons or and Dragons. It's going to be like years long commitment. They're like, I ain't got time for that. Like, no, nope. yeah, it can be a couple hours. It's fine. Play when you can. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Oh, so that's great. So yeah, you're already doing the work there. And then in uh, a couple of years, you'll be able to play. <laughs> Oh, like I, I was like wait. I was telling it's... you before we started recording, like we I just opened up the starter set and it was just like, oh, do you want to start playing right now? Okay, moth <laughs> to a flame. Yeah, we had everything that we needed <laughs> right there, ready to go. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a wonderful. It's, ah, that sounds wonderful. I can't wait. I cannot wait to play Dungeons and Dragons with my kids. Um, and and talking about this makes me realize, and it kind of is going to lead me into my next question here, is that. When you play for an audience that's maybe new to the game or who isn't as interested in the deeper commitment of playing, you know, from one to level from level one to level twenty, you're gonna have to adapt your personal game master style to suit the people at your table. But I think that that's something that when you're talking about new players, adapting your style is something that I think is pretty agreed upon. Everybody's gonna nod and say, "Yeah, you should adapt for new players at the table." Mm-hmm. But when you start asking yourself how much you ought to adapt for people that are no longer new players at your table, maybe you've been meeting with them for several weeks or several months, 
and then they come up with ideas and they you know they 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 want to change the way the game is played or the tone of the game or, or they have suggestions for you as a game master i i guess all this buildup basically is me asking the two of you how much do you allow or do you incorporate feedback from the people that play the game with you to change your style or to change you know the tone of your game uh, is it a lot? Is it a little? What's the middle ground? Wh who's responsible for making that kind of change? You know, is it the game master or the player, or is it both of us? Um, I'll, I'll pass this to you first, Greg. I think there's um, a lot to unpack there. I think what has really been uh, inspiring is this, I don't want to say call it a movement, but it's just like kind of a concept that we have talked to a lot of people about on Dragon Talk, which is the idea of a session zero. Of setting the tone, not on the fly, as you're saying, uh, but kind of from the start, from be like, okay, this is the campaign that I want to run, and I want to get buy-in from everybody else here at the table, um, and then you know you build the connections and build characters together and things like that. But like, I think that's so important, um, and it, it's so important now because I mean, D and D is more popular than it has ever been, uh, and so there is more games that are are possible. And so it's not like the only three kids in your town that want to play D&D. I'm kind of locked in. That's it. Mm -hmm. I don't have any choice. You have a lot of choice now. Like players of D&D can be like, well, I don't want to play a, a Strahd game. That's not my jam. I'd much rather play uh, something that's, you know, more fantastical, space jammery. Like, let's do that instead of, yeah, right? And so I think setting the tone for the entire campaign as well as the type of campaign that you're going to run to start is really important um, mm -hmm. because, you know, you set so many ground rules and you set expectations because I think what you're talking about is a little bit of expectations shifting, um, say, from from where other people had it. So I have had certain um, experiences where I realized late in, in, in the campaign where I'm like, all right, I'm going to start this way and then it's going to build towards this type of a campaign. For example, I had one uh, I was running, there was um a continent that was all overrun by undead and i was like i want to run a campaign where where this small island where that still had uh people living on it were were sending an expedition back to this like undead continent and then they were going to set up strongholds and 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 fight against some of the the powers the undead powers that were on there and kind of build this almost like land grabbing type of thing that would need lots of buy-in from the players to create backstories and want to you know interact with that stronghold type of uh gameplay and once we got to that type of gameplay i could tell that uh, they were like not really interested in that at all and i was like oh that was all that like all the first you know three or four levels were all set up for this and i think they just liked the setup and they just wanted to continue doing <laughs> what the setup was rather than than doing that and i was like ah you know i i mean i thought i had communicated it clearly but like i clearly didn't right like i didn't talk about that enough during the session zero and how we were going to move into this kind of phase of going. And so um, I just think it's so much more important to either recognize that. And in that case, I was just like, yeah, let's put this campaign on hiatus and let's play something else that feels like much more in the vein of what everybody, you know, at the table is expecting. I think the game master has a lot of responsibility there. I mean, it's in the name of it, the dungeon master, the game master, they have to kind of run the game for, for their fans, for their fans, for their friends uh, and make sure that everybody's having fun at the table. Um, but I also understand what you're saying there, too, about sometimes players need to communicate their not only their wants and fantasies for the game, but understand that it might be different 
for different sessions. And it's a little bit like sharing the spotlight. Okay, we know that, say, this arc of a storyline might focus on the 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 half elf barbarian. Uh, uh, okay, well, that person's going to have focus for the next few sessions, and that's okay because I know. I trust mm-hmm. that my character might have more focus later on and things like that. And I think players have become a lot more savvy at trying to understand that rather than there being just the one very charismatic, out-of-game charismatic player who kind of you know runs and calls the shots of what's happening and ends up you know just stealing the spotlight. And I think um, the thing that we say that D&D teaches better than any other thing because it's not really teaching it it's just doing it by example is empathy and and reading the room and kind of really understanding the uh wants and needs and thoughts of the people at the table so i think it was both ways i think both the player and the game master should be aware of the the feelings of other people at the table at all times uh uh you know not only for the fun of enjoying the game but you know in case there's anything that uh, some some players might object to and and want to to change and move away from content wise uh, during the play session. So yeah, I think I think players have gotten so much more, um, as I said, savvy at, at kind of seeing that and you know setting expectations the right way and then changing as as necessary. Yeah, yeah, I, and and you're right. You know, we can't have this conversation without talking about a session zero. Uh, I think that that's one of the most critical tools that we have at our disposal when we're when we're setting the expectations for a game but like you're saying those expectations change sometimes people might come into a game thinking like yeah i want horror and then three games in they're like oh no i don't want <laughs> i don't want uh, that kind of horror yeah, there's a, there's lots of the horror scale is very horror, yeah, yeah many different levels <laughs> no but, it's, um, i think that's actually a good example because yeah. you might not everyone's idea of what's horror is different mm-hmm. it could be like maybe you do like psychological horror but your dm is employing more body horror and that's not okay with you like that's mm-hmm. these are that's exactly why you'd want to have those conversations in yeah, advance. yeah and have them continuously like open check-ins. throughout as ex- yeah check-ins for sure for sure how about you shelly what how, I, I know this is a question that you kind of asked me to talk about a little bit was like whose whose job is it to whose job is it the game master or the player so far how do you feel like as a player and and as a game master who's who's learning the ropes where do you feel like that responsibility uh falls i mean i feel like your D group is a relationship like any relationship like a marriage like a a significant other like a friendship like there a is and like a co-host and a co-author like <laughs> it is very nuanced and there are it's there's a, a lot like you you have to constantly be working at it and checking in on it and making sure that you're both still getting what you need from it i don't think that the onus is always on the dungeon master to make sure that the the group is having a good time like mm-hmm. You just might be in a bad mood as a player. Maybe you're just distracted by something. You know, it's you have to to know, recognize if things are happening with your adventuring party. But I don't think it's always. The, I think the players have a responsibility too because you you want the, the dungeon master isn't obligated to run a game for you <laughs> forever, yeah. and they, they want to have fun too, right? They like, want to have yeah. fun too. Like the they, game master is here to have a good time, so. Yes. If like play styles change or 
the the stories that the the players want to tell are different than the ones that the dungeon master wants to tell it's okay like sometimes mm -hmm. you just have to go you know end this campaign and find another it's like what greg said there's so many options out there and it, you you can listen to an actual player you can watch a live stream and you can see all of these different play styles and all of these different dm styles and and i think that's just you, maybe you don't know what you want until you're actually seeing it or you're in it it's hard to especially coming mm -hmm. in new it would be really awkward for instance if you were not comfortable role playing and you ended up in a group where everybody's speaking with an accent and uh, you know very over the top that, that would be super awkward if on that your turn to my wife where i was like oh yeah we're gonna play D, D for the first time and i brought very who i thought were act you know the actors from theater i'm like oh yes. you should feel comfortable but then they had so they were playing so well that she was like oh no i don't that's i i don't even know how to do any of it so yeah no you're totally yeah. right shelly yeah so uh that's i guess the answer is both both people are are responsible for it just to take yeah. yeah session zero is super important get to know like play with people that you enjoy being around and hopefully yeah, that's i think that that's kind of the the beauty and the challenge of it right sometimes a table of friends who you've known for a very long time that want to play these games together you have different styles so yeah, there's this clash sure. of i want to see you every other friday night because you're my friend and i want to hang out with you but then like you're saying maybe half of them really want to role play and the other half are super tactical and want to like measure everything out and have combat that lasts five hours. So like that can be uh, a, an intricate balance. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think there is, there's definitely nothing we can say here. That's going to be like a blanket solution to this kind of problem, but no. I said, listen, I mean, I think honestly just listen and, and, yeah. and be open to different perspectives. I mean, that's part of, I mean, what you're saying is an extreme example, but there's every party has different, uh facets right like the, oh this person is you know 60 40 on role play and this person's you know 80 20 on role playing and right and everybody's got different levels and so it's about finding as a dm ways to highlight those folks so that it doesn't always feel like it's getting bogged down and things like that so mm -hmm. i think just listening and understanding it is is a big lesson and then if you're just like hey we can't ever get to a point where everybody's feeling like this is all awesome most of the time then that's where you can diverge and be like all right well this group is going to go this way this group is going to go that way and we'll have different styles and from playing there yes yep. you're not obligated absolutely absolutely um all right so i'm gonna transition us now to talk a little bit about your book before yeah. we do that did the two of you have any uh, parting words or, or final thoughts about you know incorporating or or seeking out inspiration into your games and and stuff like this. stuff final words for for that piece the only thing i want to say is 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 people should use inspiration more as a mechanic in their game <laughs> and yes. players should should use it often when they get use it. it as the resource <laughs> that it is uh i think you know I, there's a lot of uh amazing innovation that's happening in the one D, &D play test right now on that specific mechanic and i just love it i just think it always has been something that's been in the the player dynamic from from 2014 and it's not used as often you know you know people don't don't go into the inspiration so not just the 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 inspiration the idea but the actual mechanic i think people should use it more <laughs> and uh you know I, I can't wait to see that in, in more uh, playtests going forward. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Inspiration is something that I try to hand out to my players every game. 
and they usually just hang oh, on to okay. it and then they don't do anything with it. And it's like, guys, let's go. Guys, it's right there. <laughs> if yeah. you use it, I can give you more. <laughs> That's why it's good to have a token. I feel like having a physical thing that you can be like, here is your inspiration. And then they, when they're like, well, I don't know what to do. And then you're like, well, you've got this inspiration object right in front of you. Use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about you, Shelly? Any uh, last thoughts on, on that? Inspiration. I would say play D&D with a kid because oh. they are very inspiring. They are very creative. They are just totally unleashed. They will come up with things that you did not think they would come up with. And it there is no better feeling than to see a kid like just click, just get it. And it's like, oh, I got you now. <laughs> You're here forever. Like, you know, I don't know how old you were when you discovered D&D, but a lot of people were kids and they still love it. And this isn't a means of like, ha you're our customer for life and you will buy our books forever. Future <laughs> Shelley will appreciate it. No, it is really like, I just want you here. I just want you in this community because I really think people who play D&D are just better people. They're, that's <laughs> it. They just are. They're, like, everything that we've just said D&D can teach you, they are just getting it. That's just through osmosis of the game. So yes, kids, kids will provide you with a ton of inspiration. And if you're a DM that likes a challenge, they'll keep you on, on your toes. They're all about the rule of cool. Oh yeah, I'm sure it'll, yeah, that's something I've never done. I, I'll have to take, take up that call and, and do it because it'd be. Start with your four-year-old. Like it, you don't, it doesn't have to be like rules. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be math, but you could just be like, Hey, tell me, I'm going to tell you a story. What if like, you know, we're in the, you're in the backyard and like, Hey, a troll pops out from behind this tree. What do you want to do? <laughs> yeah. And it's going yeah. after the dog. What do you do? <laughs> Not the dog. <laughs> <laughs> the dog. Your dog is in danger. <laughs> okay, well, maybe not that. Ramped up the drama. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to get some tears. I am learning, you guys. I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, thank you for the, the two of you for those thoughts uh, on inspiration. I, I'll also add my two cents. I, I think that everything that you've said is fantastic. I would like to challenge the people listening to try to find inspiration in places where maybe they wouldn't consider looking for it. Uh, yeah. You find inspiration sometimes sitting on a bus, like watching people interact on a bus, you know, like you, you'll find inspiration just about everywhere. One of the big best tools for me as a game master who's in, that, that has improved my game master style quite a bit is just taking a moleskin with me everywhere I go. And it's going to sound like I'm, I'm like obsessed and that's not the intention here, but you know, every now and then I pull it out and I take a little note and I'm like, Oh, that, that'd be cool. That'd be a fun little, little tip. You're talking about the brand of notebooks, right? Not an actual moleskin. <laughs> yes. The brand of notebooks. Yes. A little, a little. <laughs> I just take out my moleskin and just pet it that's a little funny. bit. Oh. <laughs> Put it back we, in my coat pocket. We do have moles in our backyard right now. Oh. So yeah, I'm Yuck. You, anyway. should, you should get them and skin them and put them on turtles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or bring them, and... <laughs> bring them on the bus. Bring them on the bus. That feels like a warlock uh type of uh you know hex blood type of thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or, uh, yeah. Maybe. That totally is. Have a a, mole, a moleskin patron, maybe. <laughs> no, but you're totally right. You can just, you know, if you're in anywhere, there is a metro area. Like I used to just love being on the subway in New York and just being like, oh, yep, I, that's a character, and that is a character, and that is a character I'm going to avoid. 
<laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, awesome. So now I want to poke a little bit and talk to you a little bit about your book. So welcome to Dragon Talk. Can you remind us when people can go get that? You can pre-order it right now. Uh, it is available from the University of Iowa Press website, uh, as well as booksellers uh, everywhere. It is officially published on December 5th, but we're told if you pre-order it uh, before then, there's a good chance you might get it before that date, uh, which is really exciting. So yeah, it's available out there now. And it is me and Shelly going into detail about the history of, uh, of our podcast, how we met, how we uh, work together on on promoting and marketing Dungeons and Dragons uh, a little bit for folks who aren't familiar with the game, like, you know, just making sure they're up to speed on how it works and how difficult it is to talk about uh, or like define the game in like a pithy sentence. That's how the whole thing kind of opens up. And then we have 30 essays, 29 essays about different uh, guests that we've had on. So we we add in um, our own thoughts and feelings around uh, the podcast, how we were inspired by that particular conversation or conversations we had with those individuals. And it has been really fun to go back into our, you know, 300 plus episodes and find the ones that we thought would be the most interesting to write about. And uh, it has been really gratifying having people kind of, you know, check out this book and be like, oh my gosh, this feels like a, a walk down, you know, memory lane for the last, uh, you know, seven years or so in the D&D community and how it's changed and evolved and grown over those years. Yeah, and I was you, you bringing up the, the essays. I, I was curious to know what and how you chose which ones to use, because obviously the guests that you've had on the show throughout its duration have all been fantastic. And, they, you know, I'm sure it was a, not an easy choice to make. Uh, Shelly, how, how did you choose which ones to write um, to write a, an essay on? That's a great question. It was it was not easy because <laughs> we like every episode we leave that very inspired, very excited about the work that the the person that we're talking to has done or contributing to the community or just them as a person. And a lot of times talking to them brings up stuff from our own life that we connect to. And I think that's that's the beauty of D&D, right? Is that it D&D will bring you together with people that you may have never known and maybe never would have had the chance to know uh, if it weren't for the, this game. But but then once you get to know these people, there's so many, there's you know, endless inspiration and fodder that that comes from from talking to them. So um, there were some essays that just bubbled right to the top that we were really excited about. I think Cade was probably one of them, Cade Wells, because he was and remains so inspiring to us both. Um, I obviously love stories about kids and D and D, so talking to Ethan Schoonover, who's a middle school teacher uh, at a, an all girls middle school, like in his D and D club, loved that story. Um, but we just, you know, went back through the archives. I was surprised by how many episodes were in there that Greg and I have done <laughs> together. Uh, and we just really, the, there were some that just really spoke to us. And we, we put together our list of the ones that, that we each felt we wanted to to write about um and then compared our lists thankfully there wasn't really cross like there we didn't have a lot of this i don't even remember but i don't we didn't have a lot of the same ones on there no we didn't that was what was cool about it, it was, it was different individuals uh sparked something different in each of us yeah right? and so we were like oh i want to write about that and you're like oh, okay well 
I don't even remember that episode or like it took me a while to recall it, you know, and it was like, you know, because some of these are, you know, six, seven years ago, yeah, right? They're so, old. Yeah. And so that was really great to be able to go back to those episodes and re-listen to them and really kind of dissect, you know, the uh, the stories that these people were telling. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about, you know, many of the ones like we, we talked to B. Dave Walters. He was such a, a, a great introduction into the D&D community. Uh, and he was so inspiring. And the thing about him that I just always love is that he ended up inspiring us almost more directly yes. than, than anyone ever did, because he's just so um, uh, charismatic and uplifting just in, in who he is uh, as a person. So that was always awesome we talked to him like you know a bunch of times but each each one of them were 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 instrumental at certain points in our lives when we were all a little bit nervous or, or or going through a hard time it was during the pandemic was one of them like that was just really uh kind of exciting and then um i'm always really inspired by omega jones he's a, a critical bard i love bards i love everything about bards he's an actual <laughs> musical theater bard and so hearing about his journey in uh, the acting world, as well as uh, when we first spoke to him, um, it was around the time of the uh, Black Lives Matter protests, and we wanted to really hear their voice come through uh, around what was happening, and especially what was happening within the D&D community about how, uh, you know, different people from different backgrounds are, were, were joining, and uh, we wanted to uplift those voices and make them heard as much as possible. So there's a, a big theme throughout here is about how Dungeons & Dragons has... Uh, grown from from the 1970s and into where we are now and is a big i think a reason for its success is by bringing in so many different people who like shelly might not have thought of themselves as as D, &D fans uh stereotypically and we've you know throughout the podcast as well as this book specifically been about just shattering those stereotypes as much as we can to be like look no you can come from from anywhere and and make a contribution to this community and and lift them up Lifting us, that's what we do. We lift people yeah. up. Yeah, I love it. I love that. Um, so I want to encourage everybody listening to go check out Welcome to Dragon Talk and go listen to uh, Greg and Shelly on Dragon Talk. Um, I guess now is the time of the show where we start to wrap things up. So thanks to the two of you. I'm so pleased to have had the opportunity to chat and, and poke, pick, pick your brain and, and poke at different little things. Um, Shelly, why don't you kick us off? Why don't you say goodbye to everybody and let them know where they can find you and your projects? Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for hosting us. Um, you can find me online at Shelly Moo on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, you can also go to my website, which is ShellyMazanoble.com. You can see um, the other writings that aren't always about D&D, but hopefully... You'll find entertaining as well. You can find Dragon Talk anywhere you find your podcasts. And like Greg said, um, Dragon Talk or Welcome to Dragon Talk is available for pre-orders now. So um, we do hope that you get a chance to read it. And I hope you really like it. It makes a good gift, too. It's a good it's thing to buy for anybody who loves Dragon Wars. Dean great curious. gift. Yes. Yeah. Just yeah. yeah. And it yeah. is a fantastic book. I, I I got the opportunity to read it before we talked, and yeah, I loved it. It was it was very inspirational seeing all the different folks that you got the opportunity to talk to. It made me a little bit jealous. I'm like, oh, one day maybe I'll get to talk to these people. But <laughs> uh, but yes, it was very inspirational. How about yourself, Greg? 
Uh, well, I'm at Greg Tito on Twitter, Greg underscore Tito on Instagram, uh, and I host a uh, another podcast called Reengage, uh, Reengage TNG on Twitter, where we go through uh, all the episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation, and I also am producing a short film uh, called Ex Husband, which is going to be in festivals soon. So I'll let everybody know about that on my uh, Twitter account uh, for that. But I am really excited to be able to have this opportunity to talk to you about inspiration as well as welcome to dragon talk so thanks a lot man yeah my, my pleasure thanks to the two of you uh so for those of you listening i like i said please go check out greg and shelly and their content welcome to dragon talk was a really fun read for me i'm sure it will be for you as well and if you had questions or thoughts that you wanted to share with me you can always reach out to me it's at roll underscore play underscore chat or if you don't want to be limited to the Twitter character limit, you can email me at contactworldplaychat at gmail.com. And with that, let's call it a chat. Call it chat. Chat has happened. <laughs> Thank you so much. This was Thank so you. This was great.